0: I know God's spoken to me. I had several guys go, why would you put yourself after Pastor Sean? And I, I don't know. I just, I have to ask myself the question. Um, what a word. What, a, what an encouragement. I've taken the, the life of Samson. And if you would open your Bible to first... Uh, I'm sorry, to Judges, to the Book of Judges. And, and we're we're going to look at, and we're going to skim. Obviously, there's there's four chapters in the life of Samson, and it's impossible to to look at all of it. But there, I think there's some highlights here that that I'd like to kind of um, bring out as we as we look at his life. The theme of the conference it's not by might it's not by power but it's by my spirit says the lord that was god talking to sir Rebbebel, who was really feeling defeated at the time when when the the temple wasn't being built and and he, he was just like god how are we going to accomplish this task and god reminds him you know it's not going to be by your might it's not by some power that you possess it's going to be by my Spirit, that it's going to transpire. And as we, uh, as we look at the nation of Israel in the time of Samson, I, I, you, you, you would have to come to that same conclusion. If you notice chapter 13, verse 1 with me, it says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Again. And it's, it's, it, Judges is a depressing book if you are reading through the book of Judges or studying the book of Judges because you just see this, this, this continuous, again, they did evil. Again, they did evil. And guys, we're, we're seeing, I, I think we had seen probably a 40, 50 year period in America where we've been, we've been blessed, uh, we've been prosperous, but again, evil in the sight of the Lord. And And I think very much like the days of of Samson is the days that you and I are living in and And whenever the, we're in in that kind of a depleted time, God always raises up a prophet, men of God change the course. Let me tell you my prayer, guys, my, my prayers, and I, and I believe we're right for judgment. I believe judgment's right around the corner. I, I believe that any moment we're going to see unravel but my prayer is still god one more time pour out your spirit that we would see revival one more time before it goes down and i, I think that was probably the prayer of, of 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 many in israel at that time that god we, we, we know what we've done, we see how far it's gone, that we've forsaken you, we've done all kinds of evil, we've done all kinds of immoral things, we've we worshipped all kinds of false gods, but yet God, show mercy one more time, and in chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 2 of chapter 13, it, it tells us that God was planning that very thing, that he, he, he would once again raise up a judge. In verse 2, it says, Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. It's interesting that God will often use uh, that kind of a circumstance in order to bring forth the deliverer. Remember back when Abraham couldn't have a child? He was hundred years old before his wife Sarah. She was eighty years old before they were able to have a child, and and they were desperate for God to. They had even given up by this point, saying, "You know what? It's never going to happen." And and what's amazing about that is that it's it's when Isaac's born, and and we we know Isaac. Uh, is, is in next in line, Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob, and then the nation of Israel is born, right? So you, you, you had a desperate situation. And then God shows up in the desperate situ- situation. Here, here, here was this young maiden, barren. We find that with Hannah and Samuel. Hannah couldn't have a child. And, and God shows up and gives Samuel. And I think the same thing happening here. It was a desperate time. There's no deliverer. Evil was, was ruling the day. And then it tells us in verse 3, an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, indeed now you are barren and have borne no children but you shall conceive and you shall bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. And the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Very, 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 very interesting that, that this man by the name of Samson, was going to be set apart. A Nazarite meant that he was set apart for God. No wine. No raisins. I don't care if they're a California plump. No raisins. Were to be digested. Nothing unclean was to to be eaten by him. And he was to keep himself pure because he was to be separated from God. That's what a Nazarite was. A man that was separated from God, and a Nazarite would, would often take a period of time, six months a year, there, there, would, be, there would be this time, but, but Samson was to be a Nazarite for life. It tells us in, in, the, in the text to come. It tells us in verse seven, "You shall conceive and bear a son, no, now uh, drink no wine, or, or symbol to drink, nor eat anything unclean. for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb." To the day of his death. This is a kid that was a Now, now it's to, to the point that I think Andy made and Mike made, and I think all the guys had touched on it. Um, he, uh, unlike these other men who had grew up with messed up families or messed up homes, Samson's growing up inside of a godly home. Samson's growing up with godly instruction from birth. And, and, and let me tell you something, the, the, the results weren't any different. <laughs> so when we're making excuses then, if I would have just been in a godly home, think of Samson. Sam, Samson had all of the right environment around him. Samson had all of the right uh, people around him. He had all the right instruction around him. And yet the problem wasn't uh, his childhood or his environment. The problem was his heart. It was a heart issue. And it's the same thing for all of us guys. It, we we can blame it on our environment. You can blame it on mom or dad, or you can blame it on influences that have been around you your whole life. But but the, the reality is is that there, there's there's men like Samson who had all of the old things perfectly laid out for them, and they still strayed from what God wanted them to do. And so the excuses got to go. The excuses got, got got to be done away with. And, and what, what what's interesting is he kind of lays out for us. Uh, this this kind of introduction. And, and I, I again I, I we don't we don't have time to go through the whole chapter of chapter 13, other than to say in verse 24 it says this: So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the child and the Lord blessed him. And check out verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mehanea Dan, between Zorah and Eshtol. The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. You see, God had a, pur- a purpose for this young man, Samson. And the Holy Spirit is now working in the life of this young man, Samson. And what's interesting as is, is you, is you kind of lay that out is, is that you, you start to see some of Samson's weaknesses, some of, some of his tendencies, some of the things that were going to draw him away from God's plan and God's purposes for his life. And, and notice chapter 14, verse 1, we jump right into it and he says, simply says this, and Samson went down to Tibna and he saw a woman in Tibna of the daughter of the Philistine. So he went and he told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. I saw a woman. And I want her to be my wife. Now, now the only thing dictating Samson's decision was what he saw with his eyes. It was, it was all about... This had nothing to do with Love. This that everything to do with lust? I saw this woman She's she 's definitely a, 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 a gorgeous woman she 's a beautiful woman, and I want her that, that, that was samson 's conclusion and and no, notice mom and dad 's response in verse four I, I, or verse three I think um some godly counsel to them. Look, look what he says. And his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all the people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Now, this is mom and dad. Look, I, I, Samson, let me give you some godly counsel. The Philistines, the uncircumcised, they worship a different God. They worship a different, a, a, a different deity. Dagon was their God. And if you yoke yourself with this woman that, that's a Philistine, then she's going to divide your heart so that you're not worshiping the same God. And there will always be a division within your home. And the scripture is very clear for us as men that, that we're not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. And I think we need to take that seriously. You young men and young women here. No young women. You young men. That's just automatic. Young guys. Young guys. You know what, man? Make sure that when you find your wife that she's a godly woman. Seriously. If she's not, the rest of your life, man, you will will be troubled and, and you will be divided and you'll have conflict in your home. And it's and it's interesting that dad just simply says, look, can't you find a chick inside of Jerusalem? Inside of Israel? Look at all the beautiful women. Why do you gotta go over there to find the woman? And and this this is what blew my mind. It, 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 was, it was Samson's response to Dad. She pleases me well. And this is this is how that translates, guys. And I wanted the translators, I think nailed that He says this: She is right in my eyes. That's how that should be translated. She's right in my eyes. Now, we 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 have to make sure that we're not doing what's right in our own eyes. And that 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 if you walk away with with, with nothing else from what I share with you guys, here here's here's the deal, man. You cannot live your life for whatever is right in your eyes. You know know what's crazy is that that was the legacy that Samson leaves. And by the time you get to Judges chapter 17, here's what it says. In those days there was no king in Israel, for everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The legacy that was left by Samuel to the nation of Israel is that it's okay to do what's ever right in your own eyes. You see, you, you and I determine what's right, not by what we feel or what we think or what our emotion tells us. You and I determine what's right because we have the instruction manual. This is what tells you what's right. And so the rest of the world's telling us that it's, it's, it's right for us to have premarital sex. No, that, that's, not what, that, 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 that's not right. That homosexuality is, is perfectly normal. No, the, 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 we, we know what tells us what's right. Marriage and and, 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 and homosexuality should never be you know, put in, in in the same sentence. Because that's what God, God's the one who defines these things. And so when you want to know what's right, you, you, you can't let your heart determine that. And you can't let the world determine that or a statistic determine that. Or because so many people agree with it, it makes it right. It's because what does God say about it? And if God says it's right, then it's right. And if God says it's wrong, then it's wrong. And Sam, Samson at this point is saying, you know what, it, whatever's right in my own eyes, that, that's, what's, that's what I'm going to live my life by. And it is. It's what he left his life by. Whatever was right in his own eyes. And it's interesting that we find in Proverbs 12.15 it says, For the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 21.2 says this, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. You see, you see, Samson's first mistake is that he was allowing what he thought in his own eyes to make the decision for his life. And now he's going to go and marry a woman of the Philistines. And and it's interesting that there in verse verse 4, it tells us, but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now, there's almost a theological problem when you read that. Wait a second. The Lord was looking for an occasion to destroy the Philistines and so this whole thing was God's plan. Here's the deal. God's going to use our frailties and he'll use it for his glory. Not an excuse for us to, to do wrong things, guys, in any shape, way, or form. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is, is that he knew Samson's weaknesses and that, and that even in the middle of his weakness, God was going to use it for good. Isn't, isn't that biblical? What the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. And God was going to use this situation in order to accomplish his purposes. Even though Samson's in the wrong already, right at the beginning. And, and, and it tells us there in verse 5 that He went down to Timnah and He went through the vineyards. Anybody see a problem with that? He was a Nazarite. The vineyards, the grapes, the wine, the raisins. And it's almost as though Samson is going to go, I'm going to walk close to the edge. As I can. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put myself in every situation that's going to be a temptation in my life. And I'm big enough, I'm strong enough, I'm bad enough that it's not going to defeat me. But that, that's, that, that was Samson's downfall. He thought he can put himself in circumstances and situations. And he thought that somehow that he was going to, going to be defeated. And let, me, let, me, let me say, well, watch this. Look at the next verse. We'll come back. Watch what he says. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So, so, so here it is: a young lion. He's there in the vineyard. A young lion comes to attack him. And, and check it out: the spirit of the Lord came upon him again. He takes that young lion and just tears it apart like a goat. I mean, you know, he, he didn't have a knife, he didn't have a bow, he didn't have a slingshot. He just he just rips that lion. He just rips it apart. Now, here's what I'm convinced about, and and I'm I'm I I, I'm, I am totally convinced that Samson wasn't like the Samson that you saw in Sunday school. That he was like Mr., you know, looked like Joseph Gross or Sean Gibson or something. He didn't look that good. I, I, I kind of picture Samson more like El Skeleto. <laughs> he was the skinny guy, man. There was no, no doubt about it. Because whenever God used him, they went, where does your great strength lie? Now, if he looked like Johnny Unitas or Arnold Schwarzenegger, they'd know where his great strength lied. Right? This guy was Flacco. That would have been his nickname on the streets. He would he, he he would he would have been the guy that you would at least expected to, to have that kind of strength. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he, and he takes this lion and he rips it apart and he goes, he doesn't tell anybody about it. And then look at verse 7 and he went down and he talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well. And after some time he returned to get her. He turned aside and see the carcass of the lion and behold a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hand and he went along eating it. And when he came to his father and his mother, he gave some to them and they also ate. But he did not tell them that had been taken. He had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, now just remember what what, what what is Samson? A Nazarite. Where's he getting the honey from? A dead bod, a dead carcass, unclean. And and Samson is all. I mean, he he's always just pushing the line. How much can I get away with in my Christian walk? How much can I get away with? And the Spirit of the Lord still worked with me. And Work through me and, and, and it's it's interesting that and the the you, many of you guys know the story Samson p- opposes a riddle he he um, challenges the guys you know if you can guess the riddle then then I'll give you thirty changes of clothes and if and if and if you can't guess the riddle you give me thirty changes of, of clothes and and the, the feasts for seven days, by the time they're getting to the end of the feast, they start to get angry with Samson's wife because he was taking advantage of them. And, and, and they begin to tell, you know, tell him, look, if you don't tell us the answer to the riddle, we're going to burn your house, we're going to burn your daddy, we're going to burn your mama, and we're going to burn you. That's what they told her. And so, Samson's wife begins to weep on him. She begins to weep and say, you know, Samson, you know, if you really love me, you would tell me the riddle. In verse 16, it says, Samson's wife wept on him and said, you only hate me, you do not love me, you have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, look, look here, chick, I have not explained it to my mother and my father, so should I explain it to you? Now, he needs marriage counseling right away. You don't ever tell your wife that.) <laughs> I don't do that for my mom and daddy. You expect me to do it for you, woman? I mean, I mean, the guy's got issues, obviously. She, she weeps, she weeps, she weeps, he finally gives in, tells her the riddle. she tells the guys the riddle, and he owes them some money, right? He owes them some clothes. Look at verse 19 again. Actually, verse, verse 18, it says, they, they answered the, the riddle. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, <laughs> there's another marriage counseling appointment. <laughs> you would have not solved my riddle. Look at verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. And he went down to Eskron and he killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, gave them the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused and he went back to his father's house. And Sansom's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Uh, uh, here's the deal. Lust and anger were, t- were, were, were the things that, that ruled Samson's life. And and he was going down, you know, he would get angry over something, he just you know, and he, he, he gets angry at his wife, he leaves her for a while. There's another marriage counseling appointment. Right? Comes back later, finds out that she had been given to another guy since he he had abandoned her, and and he's he's has another temper tantrum in chapter fifteen, and he burns down all of their fields, and, and it tells us in verse fourteen of chapter fifteen. Again, we're we're just we're just we're just kind of jumping through. Watch what it says. And when he came to Leah, after he burned down everything, they want to arrest him, and 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 they. Um, uh, Tie him up, his own people tie him up. And verse 14: When he came to Leah, the Philistines came shouting against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that had burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. This guy was doing some damage. I, I this whole fresh jawbone thing. I don't get. I, I mean, you just kind of walk along and there's a fresh jawbone hanging there. Right? You just pick it up. He picks up this fresh jawbone. I means it was still moist, I guess. What, what, is, what, are we, what are we looking at another time, guys? A carcass that a Nazarite should have never been touching. He finds himself time and time again just flirting with how much he can get away with just crossing the line. And the Spirit of the Lord was working mightily. And let me just share this with you guys. Just because you get away with what you got away with, and you get away with it a second time, and you get away with it a third time, doesn't mean that God approves of what you're doing, and I think that's a danger for all of us, man. Whenever we get away with our sin and there's no repentance, and then somehow we in our minds we justify, I got away with it, so somehow God must approve of it. God doesn't approve of it, but God is patient and gracious, and God is long suffering, and God is working in the midst of all of this, even, even though Samson's revealing some of his. Fleshly His Turn to me the Galatians chapter five Galatians chapter five. Beginning in in verse 16, it says, I say then, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, opposite to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. You know what? another way of saying that, guys? So you, that you don't do the things that are right in your own eyes. You see, if you're going to be a man that's going to be led by the Holy Spirit, man, you're, you're, you're going to have a constant battle that's going to take place in your life. And it's going to be the battle of your flesh. And your flesh is always going to be in opposition to what the Spirit of God wants to do. And you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that your flesh is a strong, powerful instrument and unless you die to your flesh and you bring your flesh to the cross on a daily basis, your flesh will rule your life and it will rule over even the spiritual things that God wants to do in your life. And, and, and I find that, that interesting verse there where he says, look, these things are contrary to one another. Your flesh and the Spirit of God are in opposition to one another and, and you have to come to the place in your life where you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to do what's right in my own eyes. Because if I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes, man, I, 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 my flesh will definitely dictate to me what's not right in God's eyes. It's interesting that over and over and over again, we find Samson putting himself in a vulnerable place. And, and here, here, here's what I'm going to share with you guys. Take, take it for what it is. Don't put yourself in vulnerable places, man. I've seen too many guys that, that I've served with, too many guys I've looked up to as men of God. All. Oh, because they would put themselves in vulnerable places. And, and they would get away with it. They, they, they wouldn't go that far, but they would get one step closer, one step closer to, to giving in to the flesh. And, and, and you think, well, I, I, I conquered it last time. I got that close and it didn't take me down last time. Let me tell you something. The next time it may. The next time it may. And, and, and it, it, it's crazy because when you, when you open up chapter 16, it's, it, it's well, look, look at chapter 16. Watch what he says. Now Samson went down to Gaza and he saw a harlot there and he went into her. And when the Gazites were told Samson would come come here, they surrounded the place and they laid wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they were quiet all night, saying, in the morning when he, when it's daylight, we will kill him. And Samson laid low till midnight. And when they arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put on his shoulders, carry them to the top of the hill that, w- that faces Hebron. Where, 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 do, where do we find Samson this time? He's at the whorehouse. And he's indulging his flesh. And, and, he, and in his mind, he's going, I'm going to get away with it again because I got away with it all those other times. And the guys are going, you know what, we'll, we'll trap him this time, we'll trap him this time. And, and by the grace of God, he gets away again. He takes the bars of the city, and you've seen that picture in, in, in Bible school books, right? Carrying the bars of the city. Forty miles is, is, is the distance he would have carried it. Unbelievable. Throws the gates. You see, what would happen in a city is whenever nightfall would come, they would close the gates of the city. And the gates of the city was 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 what's what protected them from the enemy coming in. And what's interesting is that Samson's now in the enemy's camp. He's there at the at at the prostitute's house, goes into her, and at midnight just something nudges him. You know what? Get out now. He gets out, he tears, you know, and can you imagine all the guys waiting for him, you know, watching him carrying the gates off into the distance? Just like, dude. And we wanted to take him on. (laughs) And then, verse 4, it says, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and, he said, and they said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him and afflict him and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Oh no, here's the deal, guys. He, this is the first time that he loved anybody. Everything else has been lost. And, and so now he's got Delilah and he says that he loved Delilah. He loved her. You know what the word Delilah means? Have you guys ever looked that up? It means feeble. It, it, it means that what she was about to do was make him a feeble man. Take away all of his strength. Take away all of his power. Take away all of his influence. Take away and rip him off from what God intended and planned for his life. You see, he had chance after chance after chance after chance, until Delilah came into his life, and now she was going to make him feeble. She's being enticed with, with money, and, and she comes along and they said, "Look, we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll make you wealthy woman. You, you find out where his great strength lies, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. She could retire. Notice, look, verse six. So Delilah said to Samson, "Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you we may you may be bound to afflict you." Guys, a chick ever tells you that? Run. <laughs> where is your strength, baby? And how do we? Afflict you. He wasn't even holding back. But let me tell you, by this time, he's so blinded to what's going on spiritually that Samson thinks it's a game. He thinks it's a game. He thinks, you know what? Who who can touch me? I, you know, look look, look what I've got away with all of my life. Look at look at verse seven. And Samson said to her, "If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, yet not, not yet dried, I, I shall become weak and be like any other man." Guys, here, here there, there's something telling in, in his response. Now he knew he was just playing a game. If they bind me with seven strings, you know, and and, and you know, I, I, then 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 I'll become just like any other man. What did, what did Samson acknowledge? That he wasn't like any other man. And that if he gave in to certain things, that he would become like any other man. Did you guys realize that we're not like other men? Because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. You're not like any other man. You're different. You've been changed. You've been transformed. You've been bought by the blood of Christ. And you've been set apart for Him. And for His glory and for His purpose. And Satan wants to make you like every other man. That's why you've got to stay away from... from, from getting close to the line not not it's not what you can get away with it's how far away from the from the edge can i stay so that nothing's going to push me over there that's got to be the goal man and there there's this thing going on in the church as a whole and and you know I'm not talking about our church or your church or I'm talking about the church as a whole there's this thing that that you know what we 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 have freedoms that we want to exploit we we want to be able to go and, and drink a little bit here and and hang out in places that we shouldn't be hanging out in because because it's not a big deal no let me tell you something i came from those things and for me it's a big deal i, I don't want, I don't want to get anything close to those things man someone asked me you know do, do do you do you ever have a glass of wine never I, I I want nothing to do with it man I see what it did to my mom. Ma- i see not my mom my dad I seen what it did to my grandpa i i seen what it did to me for in my first twenty three years of life why why would I want to mess around with something that is so destructive in the lives of so many people and and, and what's what what's interesting is 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 as you as you look at this this whole picture is that Samson knows exactly what's going on, but he thinks that he is invincible and that he could cannot be affected by it. Look, look, at, look at the verse. There in verse chapter 16. Watch what it says. And Delilah said to Samson, look, or verse 8, I'm sorry, so the Lord of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried. She bound him with them. Now, men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he broke the bowstrings, and as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire, so the secrets of his strength was not known. And Delilah said to him, Samson, look, you've mocked me and you told me lies. Now, please tell me what you may be bound with. Guys at this point you got Philistines sleeping in the room, you're tied up with bow strings, they pop out, they're all surrounding you and you you kind of know this chick's no good. You kind of at this point, kind of you would get a clue, you know, <laughs> she wants to kill me. But he's still there. And 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 he thinks that somehow He's gonna get away with it, and he tells her, "Well, you know, let me let me, let me tell you what's really going on." <laughs> he said to her, "If they bind me securely with with new rope that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man." And Eliah took new ropes and and bound him with them and said to him, "The Philistines are upon you, Samson, and the men were lying in wait, staying in the room, and he broke them off." his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, until now, you've mocked me. You've told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of a loom. So she wove it tight with the batten of the loom And said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke up from his sleep, pulled out the batten of the web from the loom. And she said to him, How can you say that you love me when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have told me, not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Here's, here's what it was, guys. She nagged him. And nagged him. And nagged him. And, and uh, it, it, it's almost mind-boggling how you go, well, why, 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 why would he entertain this stuff? Why would he keep himself in that position? But I, I, I can tell you why. Because sin is, has a blinding factor upon our lives it's you you, you I, I i've talked to guys that have fallen into some kind of sexual sin or some kind of uh, of horrid sin and and they're just saying man i i, I knew I knew it was wrong, I knew it was wrong, I knew it was wrong, but somehow I thought I was going to get away with it and there's the danger it's a danger for every one of us as men that that we think that that if we, just, if we just somehow feed our flesh a little bit, that, that it's going to be satisfying. Let me, let me tell you something. The more you feed your flesh, the stronger your flesh gets and the greater the appetite it has. You, 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 you can't play with it. You, 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 you can't uh, uh, coddle it. You can't kind of, you know, just, say it, you just throw it a bone every once in a while. You have, you have to starve that sucker. Right? You, you, can't, you can't let your flesh... Rule, you, you, you I, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm reading uh, the epidemic of pornography inside of the church, guys. It's scary, scary, because it, what, what it's doing is, it's, it's weakening. It's making feeble men inside of the church. Pornography will destroy your spiritual life. Pornography, man, will ruin you as a man of God. And yet we think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, we can justify it in our mind. It's not that bad. I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not with another woman. No, let me tell you something, man. You you you, you are destroying your temple, and you're allowing that to affect you and the power that God wants to have in your life, man. If you're dabbling in that stuff and i don't care if it's once a week or once a month or once a year man you you are playing with something that it it, it will never stay that it will always that appetite will always continue to grow you have to kill it and if that means you got to throw your smartphone in the trash can or you need to smash your computer at home or whatever you got to do man you, it it's not worth it it's not worth it and and it's interesting that that he for, for some reason thought well, look what he, look what look what he says there in verse verse eighteen. And when Delilah saw that, actually verse seventeen, he told her that he told her all his heart, and he said to her, "No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then the strength, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man." And Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. She went and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. She lulled him to sleep on her knees, called for a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to torment him. And his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before as other times and shake myself free. Look at verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had departed. Guys, that's got to be the saddest verse in all the Bible. He did not know. Lord had departed from him. And 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 he, he, here's, a, here, here's a man that, that at one point had the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God moving mightily in his life. He gets up and he thinks just like every other time, man, I'm going to stand up and I'm, I'm going to whoop these guys and it's all going to be okay. But this time, man, now God said, okay, you want to push the line? Enough is enough, man. And now they take him into captivity. And it tells us that that they took out his eyes, the very very first thing it tells us there um, in verse 21, the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, they brought him down to Gaza, they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. All, All that happened is now physically was matching what was going on spiritually. His eyes were taken out. His, his spiritual eyes had been taken out years before. His spiritual eyes had, had been had been dimmed for, for for time and time again, and God after time after time had given him opportunity to repent. and and it's a it's a crazy story because i I look at samson as as the man who had the potential and the men who never never lived up to the potential that God had given him and guys i the potential that you have for the kingdom of heaven to be the godly husband to be the godly dad to be the 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 godly servant and in the body and and to make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. Man, the potential's there because you have that same power living inside of you. The only question is for all of us is is, is, are are we going to allow our our spirit to rule and the spirit of God to rule in our life, or are we going to allow our flesh to rule? That's what it all comes down to for every one of us, man. What's going to rule your life? It's an interesting close. Because I think it's, it's the only time... Actually, we see Samson pray two times in all the Scripture. Well, the first time he prays is when he had had that great victory, and he had got so thirsty, he says, Lord, if you don't give me some water, just kill me. You know what I mean? That, that was his prayer. And it was a selfish prayer. <laughs> it was very self, it, was, it was the only time we see him praying prior to this. And then we have his last prayer it laid out for us in verse 28. It tells us here in verse 28... Samson called to the Lord saying, "O oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my eyes, for my two eyes." And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars who supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, and in, on, on it, one on his right, one on his left, and Samson said, "Let me die with the Philistines." And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Guys, he had a greater impact at his death in wiping out the Philistines than he did his whole life. But what, a, what a sad What a sad conclusion. It was was, was good in that he repented, right? He just said, man, I I blew it all this time. God, remember, one more time, just one last time. Give me the power one last time. But, But this man, this man could have been such an instrument in the hands of God, but the potential was taken from him. Because of his flesh. And, and so I, we're, we're, we're going to close our, our time together and we're, we're, we're going we're to partake of communion together. And guys, the, the, the communion cup that we're about to partake in, it, it's, it's, it's amazing because in the communion cup, we, we have here the body and the blood of Jesus. It's the body and the blood of Jesus. And, and, and you and I know what that represents, that he laid down his life So that you and I can live. And then you and I have been called to lay down our lives, our flesh, our desires so that the Spirit of God can rule our lives and so that you and I can make a difference in the days that we're living in. That's what He's called us to do. He's the example right here. This is the example that you and I have. He died so that you can live. And you die so that others can live. We've been called to die. Don't don't let your life end up like Samson's life. So much potential. And yet you you, you end it with such a sad, sad note. May, May God help us to be men empowered with the Holy Spirit, yielded to the Holy Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit so that God can accomplish His purposes in our lives. Father, we thank You for this amazing day You've given us. Lord, You've challenged us in many ways. God, I pray that, that it would be our desire to be as far away from the sin and from the temptation and and from anything that would hinder, God, our walk with You and our relationship with You. God, would would You empower us to be Your men? Lord, we come to this communion table with that desire to be crushed, so that you can, the fragrance of Christ can come forth from us. Guys, we're just going to worship the Lord together. The communion team's going to come and pass out the elements at this time. I'm going to ask that, that we would just have a just a, a, a spirit of worship, man. Just tune everybody else out, you and the Lord, man. If there's things that you, you, you need to deal with in your heart before we before we close and before we pray take communion, now's the time to do it. A clean slate. That's that's the amazing thing that that God's willing to do for any one of us. He's willing to give you a clean slate right now, right here. Everything else gone. That's that's what His blood and what His body did wiped it all away. And it's us now just saying, God, I, I, I need a new start. I need a clean slate. I want to ask you to move in my life. As we pass out the communion, man, just take some time with the Lord. Let's worship.